0: Um, good evening, and uh, welcome once again to Discipleship Class. This is class number 27. I was um, having a conversation with some of the folks in the room before we went uh, live, and we um, talking about um, you know, these final nine classes and some of the things that we're going to cover. I, it's all important. I mean, everything God's ever said to us is important, so sometimes I'm, uh, I get excited about one part and want to elevate it over everything else, but there is a a pattern there is a you know there are foundational truths that we have to understand so that we can then build on those truths and so we started last week with the um you know man's a three-dimensional being and we're going to review some of that tonight but you know these next nine classes counting tonight are we're going to build on that and finish strong amen finished strong. so i don't know don't don't care to know right now how many people are watching but um there's not as many people here tonight as there were uh in in the room in person as it was last week you know and it's it's uh, anyway i refuse to be disappointed praise god so god is good amen, amen. yeah all right let's pray then and, and, and we'll get started father how you love us and we just acknowledge and confess your great love uh for us lord Help us, Holy Spirit, understand the full dimension of Father's love, Lord, as you spoke through the Apostle Paul, the height, the breadth, the length, the, the depth, the width, Lord, every, every dimension of it, uh, uh, Lord, to know the love of God that passes knowledge, meaning we can only understand it, Holy Spirit, if you, know, if, if you reveal it to us and if you help us see it and see it more clearly. And so we ask for that tonight. Uh, how you love us, Jesus, how you love us, Father, how you love us, Holy Spirit, how you love us. And you're for us, you're not against us. And Father, we thank you for what you've given to us. Jesus, what you've given to us. Holy Spirit, your gifts, what you've given to us. And and we want to respond uh, tonight uh, to you and to your grace and to your love. And, and to the gifts and callings that you've put in us. And help us, Father, uh, develop those things in a way that's uh, pleasing to you, uh, uh, impactful and beneficial to others, and life-giving, Father. And so... Uh, we come to you with, with thankfulness tonight. We, we come before your word with, with a sense of, of awe and wonder and, and humility. And we ask you, Father, uh, by your spirit and by your word to teach us tonight uh, what we do not know. Help us see what we've never seen before. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. All right. So one more time, and I know, and I apologize in advance. The titles are a little off, and I probably need to go back and and edit those. But um, this is a three-dimensional being, part two. So uh, three classes ago, we started with that title, but we didn't we didn't begin it. Uh, but last week was where we really started talking about uh, three-dimensional being, and so tonight we're going to do uh, a review of that, and uh, and then uh, build on it uh, some more. Praise God. All right, so let's go to, um, where are we here? Let's go ahead and put the drawing uh, up. And um, wow, if you're new uh, in the room, in the class here tonight or or online, uh, there's a lot that we covered. We probably spent, I don't know, the better part of 45 minutes just explaining what all this represents. And so I'm going to do that again uh, this evening, just an abbreviated version of that. And so the scriptures teach that, A three yet one God created man after his likeness and in his his image. And we know that God is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, He's three yet he's one, he's one yet he's three. And the best example of a three yet one being on planet earth is actually you and me. Um, God created us a three yet one being. And some of the verses that we looked at um, Genesis 1, for example, God used plural pronouns. He said, let us make man in our image, not me and my image, but um, not in, let us make man, not, not let me make man, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And so we know that that's speaking of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so when God created man, He created us spirit, soul, and body, spirit, soul, and body. And one of the most important things that you could ever let the Holy Spirit help you renew your mind to is that you are a spirit. The real you is a spirit, your innermost being, okay? So you are a spirit, and then you possess or you have a soul. And your soul is your mind, emotions, and will. Um, Or I like to simplify that even further by saying it's the part of you that thinks, the part of you that feels, and the part of you that chooses. Mind, uh, emotions, and will. And then your spirit and your soul uh, are inside of a physical body. So you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. And we looked at multiple verses last week that confirm each part of this. Um, One that we looked at in Hebrews 4 where we see the Word of God is able to separate the part of us that is spirit from the part of us that is soul. It's living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to divide the part that's pneuma from the part that's um, uh, suche, all right? And so I I keep going back and forth online. Y'all can't see that, but for the folks that are watching online. So that's what those words in uh, uh, parentheses are above the name here. Uh, above each person, numa, suche, and then soma. Soma means body. We get our English word psychology, what have you, uh, from this one. And then pneuma is an is an interesting Greek word. We're going to talk about it some more probably tonight in the evening service here at Heritage. Uh, numa means spirit. We get our English word pneumatic from it. Like a pneumatic tool is an air tool. Uh, you, you know. So uh, I think again how these. Words translate over into English are always interesting, and in, in, you know, to look at. Sometimes they give us great insight. Sometimes uh, they lose their meaning <laughs> dramatically when when we uh, swap over. Okay, now the, the next thing is this word bios up here, and it's situated over uh, the body, and uh, this is speaking of our biological existence, or we could say physical life. And then you'll also notice uh, flowing from God with arrows all the way across is this word zoe. And zoe is uh, speaking of the life and nature of God. So Jesus said to people who are biologically alive, I've come to give you life. He didn't say, I've come to give you bios. They already had bios. He said, I've come to give you zoe, and I've come to give it to you in overflowing abundance. That's abundant life, John 10:10. And I've come to give it to you without end, John three sixteen, and, of course, many other places. Eternal life, everlasting life. That's eternal Zoe. That's everlasting Zoe. The life and nature of God without end. The life and nature of God without end. So we also said that the arrows uh, represent connection, okay? So God, who is a spirit, you who are also a spirit, uh, there is a union that comes through the new birth. Remember, sin separated uh adam's spirit from god's who is a spirit and uh that brought spiritual death because the one thing that i want you to think of first when you hear the word death is take two because the one thing that i want you to think of first and foremost when you hear the word death is separation Separation. there we go separation thank you i thought you said that but anyway separation so so there was a separation that occurred Um, think of it think of it this way Um, If if you ever use the expression, my cell phone is dead, okay? (laughs) My cell phone, well, you're holding the thing in your hand, okay? Now, dead in the sense of a cell phone could mean one or two, one of two or both uh, uh, things, okay? It's dead in the sense that its battery is dead, so it doesn't have any life. Or it could have life, it could have juice in the battery, but it's dead because it's no longer connected to the tower or the signal, right? And and so we see then that our spirits were dead because we were separated from the life of God that flowed from him into us, but also separated from the signal, amen, from from God being able to communicate uh, directly to, personally, and even intimately uh, with us. And so Jesus came to resolve our sin problem and to make us one with God again so that our spirits could be connected to and united together with uh, our creator. And so this is what it is to have this uh, connection. Again, the arrow denotes uh, connectivity, connection, but also direction because God created you to live from the inside out. Most people on planet Earth are living from the outside in or trying to, anyway, uh, but God created you in such a way, and listen, now don't let this freak you out too much, okay, But, but God created you in such a way as to put everything that you would ever need inside of you, and then bring it forth from you, and so we're going to look at Bible verses, and Once again, this is another area where understanding spirit, soul, and body will help you better understand what the scriptures say to you, about you, about what God's done for you, about what God has given to you. So example, Ephesians 1-3, you have been blessed, not will be, have been already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, okay? Okay. Um, We've already talked about this throughout the course of, of our previous classes, but remember, it's Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, the reign of God, the rule of God, the realm of God, the resources of God. It's a spiritual kingdom, and it's in you. It's in you, right? Remember, the religious leaders being kind of sarcastic and maybe halfway curious, but also, I think, poking fun at Jesus. Like this kingdom, you're always talking about, Jesus. When, when are you going to cut the ribbon? You know, when, when are we going to have the inauguration? You know, Jesus said it, it doesn't work that way. Um, this, this kingdom uh, doesn't come by observation, but it's something that my Father will put in you, something he'll put in you. How about this one? Okay. Uh, you have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's 2 Peter 1.4. Have been given have been given okay (laughs) wow we looked at this one three classes ago where he said that you have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit first corinthians 2 12 but the spirit who is from god that you might know the things that have been freely given to you by god it's like okay all these things that we've been given all these things that that god says not will give but have given. where are they they're in your spirit they're in your spirit so your, your spiritual capacity, the capacity of your spirit is far greater than the capacity of your physical body, okay? I mean, we eat a plate and a half of food, and we're like maxed out full. Like, oh, You yes, know, I can't hold another bite, okay? Your spirit can hold a lot more than your belly can, your physical belly. You follow what I'm saying, okay? And that's another one of these areas where, you know, we, we try to think and understand these things in terms of, of the flesh. And it's like, well, if I have all this stuff, you know, where is it? And you know, it's, it's in you. Amen. Remember, remember, okay, the fruit is in the tree, right? Anybody ever heard Pastor Mark say this, okay, that <laughs> the fruit's in the tree? <laughs> don't, don't seem possible, we all know it is, right? The fruit's in the tree, and the seed is in the fruit, and another tree's in the seed. Okay, so that's how, that's how God works. And you look, you look at a seed, and you think, how could an oak tree be in there? It's in there. So if God can put an oak tree in a, in a little acorn, okay, then imagine what he can put in your spirit, what's what's in you. And so remember we talked about how, um, you know, we're like trees that bring forth fruit. Amen. All right, let's don't get started talking about that because it's one of my favorite subjects. All right, but anyway. Um, <laughs> amen. The, so progressing forward, right? Progressing forward, and I, just amen, but also, also, reaching backward to things we've already talked about to to make sure we knit them together. Uh, Galatians 4.19, where Paul says, I have travailed in birth for you yet again that Christ may be formed in you. And he's not praying that they would be born again, again. He's saying that he worked and labored among them to bring them to Christ, to preach the gospel to them so that they could be born again. But his labor didn't stop there. Now his labor has swapped to that second arm of the ministry of reconciliation, which is discipleship. And Christ being formed in them, he's literally saying that the inward realities of the new birth would become outward expressions of their life. That the righteousness that they've already been made would become an outward expression of their daily life. The freedom that they've already received, the rest that they've already been given all these things that belong to them. I call these things the inward realities of the new birth, things that are already in your innermost being. We're not waiting on God to give us these things. He's already given them to us. And and so, and so so to ask him for those things, I'm not saying it's wrong, and God certainly understands and he can translate and knows our hearts, okay? But if we're going to grow up into these things, we've got to realize, you know, it's pointless to ask God to give us things that He's already given us that we already have. We need to start thinking in terms of how do we how do we take these inward realities of the new birth, and and experience them in our in our life reality. And so that's the whole idea. And let me I apologize for turning my back to everybody on camera there. But that's the whole point of it flows from God to you then uh, from your spirit through your soul to your physical body into the world around you. Now, remember, Jesus said you would lay your hands on the sick and the sick would recover, which means he, he would have had to have put something inside of you, right, so that when you took that hand right there and laid it on somebody's head, that healing could flow from him through you into that person. Are you seeing this? man, this this is life-changing, all right? This is life-changing. So, um, <clears throat> let's see, what else we need to talk about? So, we, we've we covered this, but just to remind you. So, the spirit, that's the real you, mind, emotions, and will. Over here in the body, we've got the flesh, we've got the five senses, and the Bible also calls this part of you, your outward man. Your outward man. And so, we see that you have an outward man, and you have an inward man there's an outward part of you there's an inward part of you and then the inward part of you has an innermost part of you and and so the inward part of you would be your spirit and your soul also known as your heart your cardia okay the the heart of man in the greek the word for that is cardia k-a-r-d-i-a i I don't think you have to you know take a wild guess as to what english word we get from that right cardiac and, and things pertaining to the physical heart but biblically speaking, the cardia of a man or a woman is big. I'm going to give some big words now. Just hear me out. i am give you the technical definition. It's the totality of the immaterial man. So what is that, totality of the immaterial man? Well, when it comes to these three dimensions of your existence, spirit, soul, and body, this part of you is material. This part of you is, is matter, if you will, physical matter. These parts are, are real, okay, genuine, true, you know. But they're not material. They're not matter. All right. You know, people say, well, I can only believe what I can hold in my hand, I, what I can see. Well, have you ever held a thought in your hand? Uh, you know, are you, you see what I'm saying? In other words, there, there are parts of us. I mean, think about it, right? You know, there are parts of us that, that um, you know, thought is not matter. But it's real. It's real. It's genuine. Okay. Um, so the heart of a man or a woman is the, the cardia by definition and the hearts bible got a lot to say about the heart right i mean man you know so much in our heart but the part i'm getting way way ahead of myself now but let me just say this while i'm here see this part of you that is the heart of you this part right here is yes and amen i mean your are born again spirit believes every word jesus ever said Your born-again spirit's ready to go walk on water and raise somebody from the dead that's been buried at sea. I mean, it it has no problem believing anything that God has ever said, anything God's ever told you to do, anything God's ever uh, told you to give, any place he's ever told you to go. Uh, Your spirit is one with him, and it's like, man, let's go right now. All right? But... This part of you that thinks, feels, and chooses, that's a work in progress. Amen? Uh, if we're not careful, it'll be putting the brakes on at every opportunity. Right? Oh, we can't do that. We can't go there. How would we pay for that? Uh, you know. You see. And so this is, again, we'll get to this section about renewing the mind. Um, and, and sometimes because our minds maybe aren't as renewed yet as they ought to be, uh, we have a tendency to think that none of these things the Bible says that are true about us in our spirit are actually true. But I'm telling you they're true. Let me, let me try to point out one other thing right quick. Um, I'm probably making the people watching online dizzy by swapping back and forth through this drawing. Um, now, we've we got to go this way. And remember I've told you before, man's answers are this way. And the part of these three dimensions that mankind understands the best, I'm talking about man without God, is we understand the human body. Now, I'm not saying we understand everything about it, but we know more about the human body than we know about the human soul. And we know more about the human soul than we know about the human spirit, right? So the deeper we go in, the more clueless we become. And, but remember, we said that, that man's answers are all from the outside to the inside answers. So you have a problem in your emotions. The best answer man has is put a peel in that mouth right there, and let's turn off some of these circuits, and see if that'll help. I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of that or make fun of that or, or, or what have you. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's completely backwards to the way God created us, right? So spirit, soul, and, and, and body working outward, flowing from your innermost being um, outward. Now, with that said, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk out of both sides of my mouth, but if, if, we, if we go backwards then notice your spirit, this is going to be kind of a weird way of saying it, okay, but your spirit's on the other side of your feelings. Words, we, we put so much emphasis on our feelings. We, we put, and part of that I think is because there's something in us that knows we, we're supposed to live from the inside out, and so we, don't, we don't really understand the spirit, so we try to live from the soul. We try to live from the emotions. We try to, you know, and, and it's like we, we're so desperate to feel something. We, we were talking about this last uh, Wednesday night in in the in the service we we're learning how to receive from God here on Wednesday nights and 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 one of the things that so many times and I, I'm guilty of it I, I we I think we all are if we're honest about it is we want to feel something when we pray we we want to you know we want to have some type of emotional experience some type of physical uh, feeling or whatever because we're, there's something in us that's that's grasping for some type of confirmation and. And and we want to feel something because if we can feel something, then that's going to somehow help us believe that we've received something. And 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 yet the part of you that receives from God, it it's it's in a deeper place. Let, let me say, I'm going to try to do it with, with my hands. Okay, so and I'll do this a lot. So you know, body, soul, and spirit. Okay, so notice now, your your spirit is way down here. Okay. <laughs> and your your feelings are here, and then the body. So when God does something in your spirit, it may produce a ripple effect outwardly that causes you to have some type of, of feeling or emotion. I've certainly been touched by God. I felt him physically. I felt him emotionally. I've been moved emotionally. I'm not trying to Negate any of that, or say that 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 those experiences aren't valid or important, or that you know God uses that absolutely. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying, though. But you know, if 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 I depended on whether or not I felt saved every Monday morning uh, of my life since nineteen whatever it was seventy seven that I was born again, there's been a lot of Mondays that I didn't feel saved. Doesn't mean I wasn't though, because the part of me that was born again. Do you see what I'm saying here? The part of me that was born again was in a place deeper inside of me than my emotions. Amen? I don't know. Just, if that's not fully uh, uh, making sense to you, just hang on because we, we'll unpack and unravel a, a lot of this. All right. Let's, um, so let's continue tonight with, uh, with, with some of these uh, verses. Let's go to John chapter 7. Uh, and verses 38 and 39. Did anybody have a question or comment about the, the, the drawing? That I know we covered a lot of that last week. But I want to make sure that we... Um, okay. Amen. Um, we'll, we'll refer back to it over and over and over again. It's throughout the notes uh, moving forward. So uh, that's not the last time you're going to see that by far. Um, John chapter 7, verses 38 and 39 I'm going to show you uh, verse 38 in a couple of different translations, but I want to give it to you first in the New King James Version. It says, Jesus speaking, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So a lot of this... um, A lot of the things, especially towards the end of the Gospel of John, which is Jesus getting closer and closer to uh, His uh, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. He begins to talk about things that are not yet available but will be. So, for example, in one place He... And I think we looked at this verse, maybe not, but anyway. he, He told the disciples, He said, "...the Holy Spirit who is with you now..." will be in you but he couldn't be in them until they were born again so he said he's with you now but there's coming a day when he will be in you and so here is a, another example where Jesus is talking about something that will be made available but it's not yet available because the Holy Spirit has not yet been given and the Holy Spirit has not yet been given because Jesus has not yet been glorified so there, there is an order to these things and Jesus is wanting to make sure that they understood it And it was probably more for their benefit than our benefit because obviously Jesus has been glorified and the the doors to the kingdom have been opened. And if you have been born again, then you have received the Holy Spirit. So again, he says, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And in the rivers that he's referring to, um, this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit of God. So these, these rivers... All of these good things, the life and nature of God, it, being among them, are, are things that, how do I, this is another one of those areas that sometimes gets a little difficult for people to grasp. Um, when we talk about our salvation, one of the things that we'll see is the scriptures say that Jesus himself is our redemption. Right? And, and, and so what he's saying there is that our, our redemption was not just something that was purchased, uh, but our redemption is a person. In other words, because Jesus is our redemption, the only way we could ever not be redeemed is if Jesus no longer existed. Are, are you following what I'm saying? There's our redemption is invested in a person. And so in the same way, all these wonderful things that we've been given, uh, they were given to us by and in the Holy Spirit. So you know, it's not just what we've been given, it's who we've been given and what belongs to the one that, that, that we've been given. Amen? <laughs> you've been given, the, let's say it another way, you've been given the Holy Spirit and everything the Holy Spirit has. Just like you've been given Jesus and you've been given everything Jesus has. You're an heir of God and a joint heir, a co-heir with Jesus. Amen. I know that's, that's heavy stuff, but it's glorious stuff. And a thousand years from now, we'll still be understanding what all that means. But it's true right now. Amen. It's true right now. So the, the, true pr- the real prize here is, is the Holy Spirit. The real prize here is Jesus. The real prize here is, is the Father. Remember, Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him but now we're in Jesus and because we're in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus now we're in the Father and the Father's in us because we're in Jesus and Jesus is in us and Jesus is in the Father and the Father's in him. That's why in John 17 when Jesus starts to unravel all this for us he uses this term us in reference to me, you, him and the father. He calls us us. Now that's significant, right? Because where did us start in Genesis 1, right? Let us make man in our image. He, he us created us so that we could all be us-ins and weans, right? So that we could all be Uh, one together with him that's not good English but it's good doctrine all right now let's 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 look now because we we've been born again and so we have these rivers of living water speaking of the Holy Spirit um, in us amen now um, let me give that same verse 38 to you in the amplified Jesus speaking he who believes in me who cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me as the scripture has said from His innermost being shall flow continuously springs and rivers of living water. Okay? Now, from the God's Word translation, same passage, John 7 and 38. As Scripture says, streams of living water will flow from deep within the person who believes in me. Amen. Now, one more, the Passion translation. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you. Flowing from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. All right, so there's a few things here that I want to point out. And and, and that is, you know, the difference, as we've already stated, between uh, your spirit and your soul, with your soul and spirit being your inward part, but then your spirit being the innermost part. The deepest part of you, I think, is what... Um, one of these um, will flow from deep within the person who believes in me. God's Word translation. So this this depth, this inward part. Um, the Bible says that spirit is the candle of the Lord that searches the inward most part of a man. Okay, or, or obviously a, a woman. And um, but then the, the, the other, and I think this is such an important thing here. He didn't say that it would be like a pond or a reservoir or even a lake. Uh, You know, uh, my understanding of the difference is that, you know, a lake is fed by running water. Uh, But he said it would be like springs springing up. Uh, We we see that he spoke of this uh, to the woman at the well. That that he would be in her like springs of of, of living water, right? Um, and so, oh, thank you, Jesus. So, I, let, this is the best way I know how to say it. Uh, he's in you, uh, and and it's and he's under pressure. You you if you ever like you ever seen somebody puncture a water line? I mean, you know. It's because there's there's pressure behind the tap. There's pressure behind the the the, the, the valve, the the the, on, the hot and the cold uh, valve, and uh, and so because there's pressure, once the valve is open, the water is is wanting to rush through. It's 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 being held back. Amen. And that's the imagery that Jesus. Come on now, let's let's let's, let's let him stretch our faith now, okay? Because I've heard it said this way: He's in you and he wants out amen he is in you and he and he wants to flow through you i i mean no disrespect so don't don't take it this way and i i think there is some validity uh you know to these things but you know there was a time in my growth and development that that our leaders taught us you know to almost beg god to use us you know it's like oh god use me lord please use me you know and um which created within me, and I'm not saying that they did this intentionally or not, but it created this, this idea or wrong thinking in me is that maybe God really didn't want to use me, but maybe if I could talk him into it, he would, you know. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that the Holy Spirit, these rivers of living water uh, that, are, that are in you, that they're, they're like fountains wanting to spring up and spring forth uh, from you. That's why, for those of you who uh, have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you you'll understand this from experience. Uh, it, it's like there's pressure in your belly, um, and not any kind of like feeling nauseated. I'm not. I don't mean to even refer holy things to this, but it's almost like a. It's it's almost like it's something that comes out of you. Um, you know, from from deep inside of you, okay? Uh, Unknown tongues, as I told you before, they don't come out of your head. They come out of your belly uh, and literally your innermost being. Amen? Now, one of the reasons that I love to teach people about um, their three dimensions is because there are some things, important things, I might add, that you will never understand until you understand spirit, soul, and body things that you need to know, things that you need to understand, uh, truth that you need to be able to run with uh, in your life. There's a difference between knowing about something and being able to take the ball and run with it, right? You ever train for a new job and, and you know you're, you're like maybe shadowing someone and watching them and you're learning and that sort of thing, but then if you stay with it long enough, That new job will become second nature to you, or it'll. it'll, When I say second nature, that's a poor choice of words. It'll become. You know what starts out awkward, and we're trying to figure out how to do this, and you know which button do I push, and that, and that sort of thing. But now it's just you know okay, you know you just walk up to the computer and do whatever. All right, Um, and and so you know when we we talk about spirit, soul, and and body, and and you know there there are things that that. Understanding spirit, soul, and body will not only help you understand, but things that you need to understand that need to become like that second nature to you, where it becomes an automatic thought. Your mind becomes so renewed that, that that's how you think, that's the way you see yourself, where, where you don't think of yourself as a physical being trying to have a spiritual experience ever again, but you begin to see yourself as a spiritual being experiencing a physical world um, and And greater is he who 's in us than he who 's in the world, and everything that we need we 've already been given, and we 're tapping into these things and and allowing them to flow from deep within us and through us into the world around us amen okay so let's um let 's and i I probably need to reorder these because we 're going to start with a will tell you what we don 't have to start with this, and I can come back to that one let 's um Let's go, uh, let's go here. This is a good one. Start with 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. Uh, and here the scriptures say this. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So he's talking about one part of you that is in a slow state of decline. And listen, our youth's renewed like the eagles. I'm not trying to um, you know, speak any kind of negative stuff over any of us. But in reality... This physical body was, was not uh, intended or designed, as it is in the condition it's in right now, to live forever. And so we, we grow and we increase and then we reach a peak and then we start, you know, a, a steady decline and we get older and our hair turns gray and, and, and these kinds of things, okay? Um, but yet he says, while the outward man is headed in one direction, the inward man is heading in an opposite direction. And so remember what I told you about this. We're talking about two opposing realities taking place in the same person at the same time. How could one person be in both decline and increase? How how could one person be experiencing, uh, you know, perishing and renewal simultaneously? See, without three-dimensional understanding, we think it's either got to be one or the other, that it can't be both at the same time. Now, why is, why is this important? This is important because if, if this is true, and it is because it's the Word of God, then this means that you can be righteous and still struggle with some area of sin in your life at the same time. <laughs> this means you can be free. Come on now. You can be free, but still seem like you're not free in, in the areas of your flesh. Are you following what I'm saying? All right, we'll get into that more. Now, here's another. This is one of my favorites. Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 14. It says, For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. I was praying about this last week. Um, one of the things that we sometimes do and sometimes it doesn't fit in the schedule or you know, it's not necessarily something that we feel led to do but I really feel like we're going to do it this year, is, is um, we're going to take a, a journey through uh, Hebrews. And, um, and there's a lot in Hebrews about our salvation and about our redemption. And, but here, he's making the comparison to the animal sacrifices that would be made for the people's sins, but then once they sinned after the sacrifice was offered the sacrifice would then have to be repeated. And he says none of those sacrifices ever made a man or a woman perfect or complete. But Jesus, by one offering of himself, Hebrews teaches us that Jesus was one offering for all sin for all time. And so he says by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. You'll never understand this verse unless you understand that you're a three-dimensional being. Because, again, we're, our one-dimensional thinking says you're either perfected and complete or you're not. And if you're, if you're still in need of being sanctified, then it's impossible for you to be uh, perfected. And notice he says perfected forever. Come on now. He has perfected forever. Ah, sweet Jesus. I'm trying not to be, listen to me, A- amen. I'm not, I don't mean this judgmental. I don't mean this judgment okay I just know in my heart that there are people who need to be here tonight to hear what I'm saying because these are answers that have been looking for, right? And I'm glad you're here. So listen, I, this is not, didn't you love when you go to church and the pastor would like holler and scream and fuss about people not coming to church? I'm like, dude, I'm here, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm out. The people that, this was for live streaming. and nobody, nobody that needs to hear this is here to hear it. You know what I'm saying? So let's get on with something else. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to be like that about it. I'm just, amen. So let me, whoop, um, So do you see, if you were just going to venture a wild guess, what part of you do you think has been perfected forever? Your spirit, right? Perfected forever. Perfected forever. Doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know this. When we see Jesus and and we step out of this body, amen, you're going to look just like him because you were born of his seed. Amen. Wow, that's, that's, that's some powerful stuff. But yet, this... Real you has been perfected forever. And yet at the same time, there's, there's still a sanctifying work. So pay close attention to the tenses. Has perfected forever, past completed work, those who are being sanctified. Literally this verse is saying you are a perfect work in progress. And see again, one dimensional thinking says you're either perfect or you're a work in progress. You can't be both. But a three-dimensional understanding will help you absolutely understand how it's not either or but both at the same time. Now, he, here, is a, here is a really big one. And, th- and this is huge. And, and some of this is going to require some more teaching later, so I'm asking you to stay tuned. But First John here is a classic example. And these were verses that really made me scratch my head for years until I understood spirit, soul, and body. And now what was very confusing makes perfect sense. So 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. So what is he saying here? He's saying if you say you have no sin, you're not telling the truth. You're being dishonest. Okay? Amen or oh me on that one. He goes on to explain that, that if 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 we sin, that we confess our sin, that He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All right. So, First John. I apologize to those of you watching online. I didn't put that verse up. Okay. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth's not in us. That's First John chapter one verse eight. Let's stay in First John, but now let's move over to chapter three verse nine. First John chapter three verse nine says, "Whoever has been born of God does not sin." For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Now, you know, you, you read 1 John 1 8, and it's like, okay, yeah, man, that's I got that. But then you read 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, and it seems to stand in direct contradiction to what he just said in chapter 1, verse 8. You'll never understand it unless you understand you're a three-dimensional being. Anybody want to venture a wild guess as to what part of you has God's seed abiding in it? Amen. And because his seed abides in you, he says you do not sin. And the reason you do not sin is because you cannot sin. See, we're like, what? (laughs) Your born again spirit cannot sin. It's not that it doesn't. It doesn't because it can't. So, amen, let me, find, let me find a drawing right quick. Praise God. Here we go, all right? So, watch this now. I know you, those of you online, I'm, I'm pointing now to the, the, the drawing, the body, okay? If you say you don't sin, come on now. Remember now, if you know to do right and don't do it, it's sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin, So, you know, let's not start getting all self-righteous here and, and, well, you know, never sin. No, no, right here, amen, okay? (laughs) If you say you never sin, then you're not telling the truth, okay? But then we jump over here to the the born-again spirit. Whoever's born of God, he says God's seed abides in him. God's seed abides in him, okay? And because God's seed abides in him, he does not sin, and he does not sin because he cannot sin. Now, there's been a lot of wrong understanding over the years about the verse that says that the evil one can't touch, right? And so from, from this idea that, the or I say idea the truth, but a misunderstanding of what that means, because the Bible says the evil one can't touch a person that's been born again, then we think, well, any bad thing that happens in that person's life, it has to be from God because the devil can't touch them. Well, the part of you that the devil can't touch is your born-again spirit. Are you hearing me? That's the part of you that he can't touch. To say that, that so then if, if, if the wrong religious interpretation that the evil one can't touch and so therefore any... Uh, anything that happens has to be God, then you would have to say that it's God putting uh, foul thoughts in your mind. Because the devil can certainly touch our minds if we let him, if we give him place. Am I right about it? Okay. So uh, that doesn't mean that we're just, you know, the devil can do whatever he wants to do. We're to take authority over him. We're to bind him. God's made provision for things that need to be fixed and healed in our spirit, in our soul, in our minds, in our emotions. Amen. Amen. But there's a part of you that has been perfected forever. It's not based upon what you do. It's based upon what Jesus has done for you. It's not based upon who you are. It's based upon who he is and who you became the day you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's your born-again spirit that has received eternal redemption. Whew, praise God. All right, amen. More to come on all of that. But do you, do you see now how the only way you'll ever understand One verse that says if you say you have no sin, the truth's not in you. And then two chapters later, he says that you don't sin because you can't sin. Well, either there's a contradiction or there's an explanation. And the explanation is your born-again spirit can't because that's where God's seed abides, amen, in you. Um, But then our flesh is still a work in progress. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. All right, now, are you guys hanging in here? you all getting this? this is this making sense to you? I'm not trying to confuse you. I'm just trying to show you. Now, another big one, and we've mentioned this um, on different occasions, but it has to do with the different tenses referring to our salvation and our sanctification. The, the, the Bible teaches that we have been saved, past tense. The Bible teaches that we are being saved. Uh, present ongoing tense and the bible speaks of our salvation in a past tense when our salvation will be complete and so denominational lines have been drawn over which one is which you know some folks believe we have been and therefore always will be some folks uh believe that you know we are being and you won't know till you you know um you know live long enough to get it all worked out, amen? And then some folks believe you just won't know until, you know, Peter either either tells you to come on in or get lost, you know? And obviously the scriptures doesn't support that Hollywood version um, of uh, entrance into, into heaven or rejection into hell. Um, but the, the, the truth of it is if you understand salvation in, the, in light of our three-dimensional existence, then you see how it's all three at the same time. Your spirit has been, your soul is being, and your body will be. We will one day have a body, a glorified body, that is comparable to the born-again spirit that already lives inside of this one. Amen. So it's not, well, you know, I'm the... I'm the once-saved-always-saved group. I, I believe in that. Well, you know, you can't ever know. you got never know. And, and, and so there's so much confusion because, again, people try to understand these things with one-dimensional thinking like Nicodemus, one-dimensional thinking. How can a man, when he's old, go back into his mother's womb and be born a second time in, instead of the three-dimensional uh, thinking uh, that, that we should have in order to understand what God is saying? Let me, I don't know if I've said this yet or not, but let, me, let me make sure I say it though, okay, in case I haven't. Uh, God understands that you're a three-dimensional being, and the, and the Bible that he has written and preserved and, and made available to you was written from the perspective of you being a three-dimensional being. Are you understand what I'm saying? God, that's why when Nicodemus is like, how can these things be? And Jesus fired right back at him and says, how are you a teacher in Israel and you don't understand these things? So, what's the, what's, what is being implied there? What's being implied there from God is listen, this is different, but it shouldn't be over your head because the scriptures support these things. In other words, everything I've told you up until this point, and that's why I've tried to use so many verses from the Bible, is I want you to see that this isn't just some theory. It's, it's not some philosophy or, or some idea that I came up with that really sounds good and really makes sense and boy, we sure would answer a lot of questions if it was true. No, I'm, I'm trying to show you all this from the scriptures. Amen. All right. So that was a huge one for me. Uh, have been, are being will be. Which one is it? Yes and amen. It's all three at the same time. He who began a good work in you. Come on now. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it uh, to the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yes, sister. So, like, how does this come into play with, like, the rapture? All right. So, I'm not sure exactly what you mean, but if you're alive on planet Earth, Mm -hmm. when Jesus calls us, catches us up with him, then your spirit and soul will separate from your body. And amen. I guess that's right. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way. Spirit, No, everything will go, right? Bodies will go. Your body. If you're if you're raptured spirit, soul, body, boom. And then the bodies of those who have been separated from come out of the ground, come out of the ocean. Okay? Yeah. And so it's going to be a lot of folks missing and people wondering where they are. Okay? All right? And then the glorified body. Jesus had a glorified body. All right? Is that what you're asking me? I'm not sure. I guess so. Okay. Oh, thank you. No, it's wonderful. Okay, thank you for clarifying the question. Um, So, uh, if um, let's say uh, you know, and I've seen this. All right. So let's say that uh, Bethany has Sam and Oliver at their little neighborhood park, and there's a whole bunch of kids there, uh, and it's time for her to take her children home. Okay then she's going to say, Sam, Oliver, come on, let's go. It's time to get a lunch lunch and a nap, right? Yeah. Okay, so what am I saying? She, she called her children uh, home mm-hmm. with her. Yeah. Not all of them, just hers, okay? So if you've been born again, then you're his. Yeah. And when it's time to... Catch us up to heaven, the rapture. Yeah, his kids are, his kids are going. Okay. Right. Does that help? Yeah. Okay. Trying to make it plain yeah, as I can. So. I mean, I sure. Yeah. That, it, and again, a lot of that is based upon some of the things in, Re- in the book of Revelation. Just know, I'm not here to teach on all that tonight, but just know this. God is not through with the Jewish people by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Um, and the, uh, his covenant with Abraham and, you know, the, the things. That, there's a, So a lot of that that's in the book of Revelation where people read all that, they, they get that part confused. And, you know, there are different folks that talk about the 144,000 and you know, 12,000 from each tribe. And there are different even false religions that, amen, so, but praise God. Yeah, we're going, amen. And and I'm one of those that believe we're going in the rapture before the tribulation, and I know that makes a lot of people nervous, uh, and or even angry because they believe something else. But if you look very carefully at the scriptures, tribulation is is God beginning to judge this world, and um, and His judgment and wrath is not for His children, it's not for us. So, but anyway, praise God, great question. Um, let's go now. Um, Thank you, Jesus. Let's go to uh, how about how about this one? Hebrews. We were at Hebrews ten fourteen. Let's go back to Hebrews ten thirty nine, and I'm just in light of what we're learning. I'm trying to help you see some things. Hopefully, you know as you study the scriptures yourself, based upon some of the new things that the Lord is showing you, that you'll begin to see it for yourself uh, in Scripture. Your eyes will be open to it. Um, I bought a. Uh, a truck one time that I thought was kind of rare, never seen one that color, uh, I thought. Um, but Pam and I driving at home, we saw, I think, three that, you know. But it's because now our eyes are open and we're looking for what's always been there but weren't seeing before, but we're seeing now. And, and that's one of the key ways that Father God uh, teaches us by the Holy Word and by the Holy Spirit is, is he'll open our eyes to something. And then as we begin to study, he'll begin to connect Other things and answer other questions, and uh, and so that's why it's living and powerful. It's it's not just uh, you know static and 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 stationary and and weak. Okay, so Hebrews ten and thirty nine, it says, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. The saving of the soul. How about this one? I don't have it in my script. I don't have the scripture in my notes. It's in the Old Testament. A proverb he that wins souls is wise so we talk about somebody being a soul winner and and so if in that case you're using the term soul uh to represent a person's life like you know they they talk talk about how many souls were on board a ship you know that sort of thing um but the context of he that wins the souls is wise is talking about someone who's able to win over somebody's thinking right um so like a salesperson, <laughs> you know, is, is able to relate to and connect with and convince someone, sway someone to see things uh, their way. Um, I know we, we talk about soul winner is like getting somebody born again, getting somebody saved. And I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong to use it in that sense. Uh, but because of that, though, it, it clouds our thinking on verses like this, where he talks about believe to the saving of the soul. He's talking about somebody whose spirit's already been born again. But now it's that second work that Paul was talking about where their minds are being renewed and reconditioned so that the valve can be opened and the springs of living water that are already inside of them can begin to flow upward and outward from them and from us. Amen? Am I going too fast for y'all tonight? Okay. It's a little different feel tonight than it was last um last wednesday but amen we don't go by feelings right so do you see this those who believe those who believe to the saving of the soul do you ask how many people have been born again how many people have been born again but they have they have never really committed themselves to the yoke of discipleship they've never really committed themselves to learn of jesus they've never really committed themselves uh uh to um a servant leader in the body of christ Who would uh, disciple them and mentor them and feed them the Word of God and 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 so because of that their spirits have been born again and And based upon that and that alone they'll be in heaven But they're missing out on so many things that that they could otherwise be experiencing and enjoying and doing accomplishing uh, They're fulfilling their purpose, right? Uh, here uh, on planet earth because they they haven't believed the saving of the soul. Perdition can mean eternity in a devil's hell. Uh, that's a strong word. But the root of the word perdition just simply means to miss out. When he says we're not of those who draw back and miss out, but those who believe to the saving of the soul, he's talking about the uh, the renewing and the reconditioning uh, of the mind, the ongoing work of discipleship. Here it is again in James 1 and twenty-one. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Which is able to save your souls. So he's talking about the 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 soteria, the soterion, the salvation of God uh, that you've already received in your born again spirit. Uh, affecting, impacting, renewing, reconditioning—that that word received with meekness, meekness and humility are related words. But notice he says the implanted word. The King James version says the ingrafted word, and the idea of something being grafted in is like when you have a tree and you bring a branch from a, a, a different tree into it, the, and, and there's a there's a graft that takes place where the, the, the new becomes incorporated into the old and begins to bring forth new fruit, okay? So sometimes you'll hear me when I pray over the word is that I pray that it would be engrafted, that it would be implanted, that it would literally be such a difference maker in our lives that it, it would begin to alter and change our disposition, our personalities, that, that, that we would begin to reflect Jesus more and more and more simply because we've received his words uh, and they've become implanted, engrafted, uh, where his word becomes a part of you. Are you hearing me now? Where his words become a part of you. And, and when I say a part of you, you have the word uh, living inside of you. The one in whom he had all treasures of wisdom and knowledge now lives inside of you. You've become one with him. Amen. So, but receiving his word with meekness, we're, now we're talking about the soul. We're talking about our thinking, our minds, and, and how that affects the way we feel and how that ultimately influences the choices that we make. All right, here's another verse that we referred to before and we'll refer to Uh, Moving forward in the future 1st Corinthians chapter 6 beginning at verse number 18. He says to uh, flee uh, sexual immorality Every sin that a man does is outside the body But he who commits sexual immorality sins, sins against his own body Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God? And you are not your own for you were bought at a price Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, which belong to God. Okay? Now, there's a lot here. Let me just comment briefly on a sin that uh, is against one's own body. This would be any sin that would alter the way your body functions from that point forward. Um, And so pornography, gambling... Uh, different kinds of substance abuse and things of this nature that alter the way the body functions, that creates uh, you know, cravings for things um, that um, are not healthy. Uh, food even you, you know, could, could fall into these uh, different categories. So sexual sin certainly falls into that category, but there are others as well. Now, Jesus, remember what I told you. He died on the cross for your spirit, soul, and body. And he is a God of restoration and a God of renewal and a God that reconditions and, and all of these things. And so, praise God, we, we are working together with the Holy Spirit. But as we move forward, he says that your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit who's where he's in you. The Holy Spirit who is in you. And we have him from God. Jesus asked the Father to give him to us, and he has. And you are not your own. My life's not my own to do with as I please. As a born again believer, you know people say, "What's well, it's my life? I can do with it what I want to. It's my body. I can do with it what I want to." Not, not if you're a Christian. That's that's not accurate. Um, God purchased you. He purchased your spirit with the blood of Jesus, and He purchased your body with the blood of Jesus. And He says this in verse twenty: "For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which belong to God." Now, it's it's kind of an easy question. It's certainly not a trick question. But which one's left out here? soul right um and i and i've asked the lord that and i've 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 discussed this with other people and and some folks agree with me and and some folks don't but and and i i was about four years ago i said this better than i've ever said it before and i probably need to go back and just transcribe that class uh and just read it because there's a a point here where you go from things that make sense to trying to to put into words what is ultimately a mystery. It's like trying to describe what an attitude is. We all know an attitude, a good one or a bad one, when we see it. But the the concept of attitude can be a little difficult at times to define. Trinity. Now now we're getting into spiritual things that are hard to capture uh, in in words. But I'm going to make another run at it, and the Holy Spirit's going to help me. All right? I believe... I believe when we, when he says that your body belongs to him and your spirit belongs to him, that he intentionally, some folks say, well, I mean, he could have put soul in here if he had wanted to, just what, that wasn't what the Holy Spirit led him to say. I believe that it's intentional. You don't have to believe this, go to heaven, all right? But I believe the soul is left out intentionally because the emphasis here is that your soul is the one dimension of your existence That is yours. That is yours. Okay? Now, I even put in my notes, I always catch myself stammering trying to explain this, and that's not my confession. I'm just saying, amen. Um, When I say that your soul is the part of you that is yours, it's the part of you that belongs to you in the sense of free will, in the sense that God is not going to make you think anything that you do not choose to think he's not going to uh, reprogram your mind uh, against your will while you sleep at night because he didn't create you to be uh, a programmed being uh, you know in the same way that see first of all we got to understand how impactful our our thought life is and our thinking is to our actual life reality and, and what we live and experience. Remember, your behavior is gonna line up with what you believe to be true about yourself, even if what you believe to be true about yourself isn't true, amen? So you can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because you became that through the new birth, but you can still think like someone who's not righteous and your life reality as a man or woman thinks in his or her heart, so shall they be. So your thinking can be in contradiction to your true reality and your true identity, and and your life reality is going to line up. Amen. Are you with me? It's going to line up with how you think. Okay. Now, as as the Lord began to uh, show me how profound the transformation of my of my born again spirit actually was, and 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 what and I'm still learning this. I'm not trying to act like I know it all. Okay. Uh, but you know, you start seeing it more and more and more in the scriptures, and and I remember I was out in the sanctuary uh, out out there praying. And you know, almost like um, I wasn't being childish about it. I wasn't, you know, whining about it. I, I was just—it um, was a sincere cry from my heart. I'm like, "Oh God, why did you not just go ahead and do in my soul, in my mind, what you've already done in my spirit? Why, you know, why don't you just radically transform my thinking? Um, you know, while you were—you all use that expression—while you were at it." You know why? Why you were why you were in there, re, you know, revolutionizing everything. You know how much harder would it have been for you just to do the same thing in my soul that you did in my spirit? Because I'm telling you now, it's going to take me a little while to to to, to get all this explained to you. But you and I, we're but a renewed mind away from doing the works of Jesus. Right? He said the works that he did, you would do also in even greater works. I mentioned it a a moment ago uh, about, and I apologize to those of you online, I didn't mean to leave the overlay on that long, but um, that you'll lay your hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Jesus said the original disciples would go and preach, and all those who believe on him because they preach would cast out demons, would speak with new tongues, would lay their hands on the sick, and the sick would recover. So he's talking about you. He's talking about me. He said in John 14, the works that He did, you would do also, and even greater works, because He goes to His Father. And we know that Him going to the Father was was an important milestone, because remember, He said, unless I go to my Father, I can't send the Holy Spirit. So the same Holy Spirit that anointed Jesus to do all the things that He did on this earth as a man is the same Holy Spirit that's been given to you. As a matter of fact, He says it this way in Romans 8, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives inside of and is making alive your mortal body. So you're but a renewed mind away from doing the works of Jesus. The only reason we're not doing what Jesus did right now is because our minds tell us that we can't. Our minds tell us that it doesn't work that way. Our minds tell us that what I'm saying to you right now isn't true. So when I say you're but a renewed mind away from doing the works of Jesus, right? Seeing things the way he, see, Jesus was in this world, but he was more aware of the world he was from than, than the world he was in. You and I are in this world, but we're not of this world. Remember, we're ambassadors, we're representatives of, of, our, of our homeland. We speak in new tongues, right? We speak the mother language of, our, of heaven. Praise God, by the Holy Spirit. All of these things are, they're not, this, this isn't fantasy, this isn't storyland. This this isn't, um, this is real, this is, this is available to every person uh, that's born again right now on this earth. Well, you know, you're just waiting on God to move. Man, he's in you, he's waiting on you to move. Amen. Amen. So I'm, I'm out there and I'm like, Lord, you know, why don't you just go ahead and, and do in my mind what you did in my spirit. And there have been some answers, some things like that, that I've pondered for years and years and years. And, and, and I'm sure the Lord was trying to tell me. I just, you know, he was, there was a lot of things he had to teach me before he could answer that question. But this was not the case. This was not the case. The answer was immediate. He said, because it's a sacred line that I will not cross. And if your mind and thinking ever changes, you will cooperate with me in the changing of it or it'll never change. He said, it, I mean, just, I mean, like... It, I'm like, ooh, okay, all right, you know. Well, if that's God, then it'll bear it out in Scripture, and and that's what we see. That's not to say that God will not. Uh, he wants to help you think correctly. He he's given us instruction. He's given us His Word. He's given us His thoughts, right? Um, his thoughts came down from heaven to us, just like rain comes down uh, from the earth and waters it in the form of His Word, and so He He is certainly. Uh, wanting to influence your thinking, uh, for you to learn how to think the way he thinks and to see things the way he sees them. But if, if that's ever going to happen with you and me, we're going to have to cooperate with him in that. So the sacred line that he will not cross, again, is you know, this idea that our thinking is ours. Amen, are you... Ah, sweet Jesus, help me, Lord. It's that unique part of you that... that. But, but what does that mean, though? It, it means that that's the part of you now that you surrender to Him. That's the part of you that, that, that belongs to you, but you have to continually give to Him. Are you seeing this? Okay, praise God. Um, how about this? Hebrews 13 and 17. Amen. Um, is it just me is it getting warm in here? Getting warm in here? So I don't that door being closed affects it. Uh, so if we want to open that door, maybe we could open the one on that side. Amen. I don't know if it's just me, right? I'm, I'm feeling kind of passionate about all this right now. So, <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. It may just be me and you because nobody else had anything. So praise God. All right. So uh, Hebrews 13 and 17. All right, I I had some folks like, do what? You know, last time I looked at this verse in this class, okay? But he says this, obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Man, you talk about some language that has um, gone out of date in the 21st century for a lot of people. But this is God's word, amen? Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch for your souls, As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Okay? (laughs) Now, um, your soul and your body, I'm I'm sorry, let me get it right. Use the right terminology, use the right words here, okay? Let's be precise. Your, Your spirit and your body belong to God. Your soul belongs to you, and it's, and it's yours to surrender to him and to yield to him. Once you're born again, you, you still uh, have free will to do what you want to do. And so this is the, the um, presenting yourself a living sacrifice, your reasonable service. Amen? Are you following what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. All right. And, and so this is an, an ongoing daily progressive thing. <laughs> Where in Jesus, for the record, Jesus had this same experience throughout his entire existence here on this earth. But it is perhaps most noticeable in the Garden of Gethsemane where he knew what was ahead for him and he was asking God for the cup to pass from him. But he would keep he kept going back to not my will, but yours be done. Now, your will's what? Part of your soul, right? Not my thinking, not, not what I'm feeling right now, not what I'm wanting to choose right now. So he, he was offering himself, obviously, to God the Father. But in order to offer himself to God the Father, he had to win that battle that was going on in his mind, emotions, and his will or his choices. So When he says, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch for your souls as those who must give account, he's talking about servant leaders in the body of Christ. And he's encouraging individual members in the body of Christ to obey those that God has put in a place of leadership over them and to be submissive. (laughs) Wow. Wow. That 's something isn 't it now, you should be able you should be able to name who these people are that god 's put in your life now remember in the kingdom jesus I feel compelled every time I talk about this to go through this whole long elaborate explanation i 'm not going to do that tonight, but let me just say. The, the leadership model in the kingdom of God is not the leadership model that we see in the world. Remember he said that, that the heathen, the Gentiles, they try to lord it over everybody. And, and the people that they're over are considered to be benefactors, which means what? Which means the people that they rule over, have authority over, um, are for their benefit. In other words, it's, it's, they're for the king's benefit. In other words, if the king needs somebody uh, to go fight a battle, then you go fight it for his benefit. If the king needs some more money, he levies taxes for his benefit. Well, in the kingdom, it's not lording over. The, the greatest shall be the least. And the model that Jesus lived for us is a model of servant leadership. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I didn't come to benefit from you. I came to give benefit to you. Do you see the difference here? Right. And so a, a godly leader, you know, I know a lot of you that are here, you're from other parts of the state or whatever. And, and, and but you need to find you a good pastor. Amen. And you need to find a pastor with a servant's heart who, who doesn't view you um, as uh, as a sheep. Uh, to uh, shear and to and to <laughs> to benefit from, but one that needs to be that they that they feed you, amen, and they care for you, and and they and they oversee your soul. They watch for your notice. Now, I'm here to watch for your soul. I'm not here to micromanage your behavior. Uh, that's not no. It's it's your soul is 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 my responsibility. Number one, that doesn't mean if somebody in this family of faith um you know needs you know some type of physical financial help or assistance we certainly offer that i'm not don't i'm not using this verse to somehow exempt myself from an opportunity to feed clothe financially support whatever that's not what i mean here but my responsibility though uh, according to this verse is to watch for people's souls And notice now that I I do that as one who must give an account one day for how well uh, I did or did not do that. And so when he says, because the one that God has put in your life to servant lead you and to watch for your soul as one who must give an account, let them do so with joy and not with grief. Okay? Now, as far as I'm concerned, everybody listening to me right now is a joy to pastor, but I've been pastoring for a long time. Not everybody has been a joy to pastor over the last, what, we're almost 25 years now into, into pastoring heritage here, uh, servant leader at Heritage. June of 98 was our first uh, service, and so we're coming from 25 years. And, and in 25 years, there's just been so many people that have been a joy uh, to to be God's instrument of helping watch for their souls. But there's also been a lot of folks, amen, <laughs> that um, not so much with grief. Uh, and notice he says, that would be unprofitable for you. All right, there's, that's probably enough on all that. But l- let me just say, if, if you can't name people that God's put in your life uh, as, as a servant leader uh, that you answer to and are accountable to and that sort of thing, that's a real problem, um, and, and amen, if you, if you need some help with that or you need to talk through some of that, I'll be happy to, to, to help you with that, but, you know, um, there's all kinds of imagery in the scriptures, but one of Satan's weapons that he uses is he wants to isolate us. He, he wants to, 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 because, again, um, the one who distances himself or herself from the pack uh, becomes the most vulnerable to the roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There's a lot of uh, imagery there that we have in Scripture. You, you, need to, you need to find you a local church. You need to get to know the pastor and leaders of that church. You need to make yourself available to serve God in that church under their leadership um, and, and, and let God you know, develop you. There's a lot of folks that have those little placards on the front door of their house as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And, um, and, and a lot of people who say that for me and my house will serve the Lord, what they really mean is that me and my house go to church. Um, going to church is not the same as serving the Lord. Amen. You didn't maybe come to hear all this tonight, but let me just say it. Okay, go, attending church is something you do for your benefit, right, and, 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 and obviously to support what God is doing and that, and that sort of thing. But serving the Lord means actually doing something for the Lord in the local church. You know, surprise, surprise, if that's what that actually means, okay? All right, now, let's look at one more, and this is another favorite, okay? Can y'all believe it's already 6.32? Where is the time going? All right, are y'all okay? Yes? All right, man, a lot to get to. We'll get there, amen. Holy Spirit's helping us. All right, so look at this one right here. This, this is amazing to me. Um, by your patience... Possess your souls. I think the King James Version says, possess ye your souls. By your patience, possess your souls or possess ye your souls. So so building some more now on this, um, your spirit and your body belong to God, but your soul is something that is basically you, your your part that you offer and surrender and yield to God on an ongoing, daily, moment by moment, for that matter, basis. The word patience here is um, a a little misleading. I prefer um, a, a word that it could have very easily been translated into synonymous, and that's the word endurance, endurance. Patience, I think, sometimes Gives the idea of just sitting around being patient, you know, patiently waiting. Um, But what he's really talking about here is enduring or persevering, might even be uh, another way of communicating what this very important word is saying. But he's saying your patience, your endurance is how you possess your soul. Now, what's your soul? It's your mind, emotions, and will and have you ever i'm going to say this gently okay have you ever felt like something or someone else possessed owned your mind emotions and will that something else was actually choosing for you now this this could be obviously the devil's behind it all but i'm i'm talking about maybe some type of unhealthy relationship with another person or um, some type of habit or or sin or substance abuse or, or what have you. And, and we even hear people say, man, that that owns me. Well, it doesn't own you. God owns, if you're born again, God owns your spirit and your body, okay? But what happens is we often give ourselves over to and something so consumes our thinking, which then influences our emotions, which then, you know, influences our choices that it's, it feels like, and seems like that this thing has control of us. And, and that's what he's talking about here. And we see that it's through endurance and perseverance, that we and I'm going to throw a word in here that's not in here but try to help you understand what I believe the heart of this is is that you regain possession of your souls. Now, obviously once you once you possess it, you want you want to continue to possess it, right? Amen. Where the Bible says the peace of God that passes all understanding will will guard your heart and your mind. And certainly the enemy is wanting to not only influence your thoughts and thinking, but if he can through our choices and actions uh, bring us to a place to where it seems like we can't say no or we can't resist, where something else is is calling the shots or, or or someone else is calling the shots, pulling the strings. I'm not. And I know some of this is sensitive for some people. I'm not. I'm not trying to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but I'm just. I'm trying to help you. You know, see what is behind so many of these things and that God knows. Remember, he wrote this to three-dimensional beings knowing that we were three-dimensional beings. And he has the answers that we need uh, for our spirit. He has the answers that we need for our soul, our mind, emotions, and our ability to make wise and healthy choices. And he has the answers for our body, Uh, healing, restoration, uh, renewal, reconditioning of the mind, all of these things, the scriptures haven't left, Jesus hasn't left any stone unturned or any dimension of your being uh, without the, the you know, the divine wisdom and intervention that it needs. Amen or me? Still with me? All right. So by your patience, possess your souls. Um, <clears throat> there's, I don't want to open this can of worms too far down down the road, but when we talk about biblical suffering, there's a lot of confusion about biblical suffering. Do not ever let the devil tell you that you know, things that Jesus has already suffered in your place for you is your cross to bear. Don't ever let the devil deceive you into thinking that you have to bear the cross that Jesus already bore for you. right? So when we talk about um, biblical suffering... A huge part of that is the suffering that we endure when our you know we want to do one thing and God wants us to do another. I mean Jesus was suffering in Gethsemane right that he's going to suffer more than that for us, but he's suffering there because there's this tug of war going on inside of him, and as long as we give in to the different urges of the flesh and the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, as long as we continue to give in to those things, right, it, it, it just carries us further down the rabbit hole. Let, let, let's, let's, give, let's give an example. Um, it's required, some folks more than others, but it's required some measure of endurance from every person in this room to come to more than one of these classes. I mean, you follow what I'm saying? What, what do we mean by that? Well, part of you is like, man, I, I think I'm going to just rest tonight. You know, I'm, I'm tired. I, you know, i got some other things I'd rather do. My favorite show's coming on TV. You know, I, think, I could probably catch it later online. You know, this, now listen, I know some of you have, I'm, I know you've got responsibilities. Amen. But we've all been there. I'm just, I'm, so don't think I'm throwing rocks at anybody. I'm trying to offend anybody. Okay? But, but see, I'm just trying to help you connect with what this looks like in a real life, real time situation, um, and you know, you wake up on a Sunday morning. And it's like, man, it's beautiful outside. I think I'd rather go fishing today. You know, uh, so there's there's a part of you that's pulling you away. Um, th- th- there's some folks that, are, that you know over the years that take this class that are part of a residential recovery program, and rarely. If ever have I met someone that's been a part of a residential recovery program that didn't think at least once about leaving early. You know, either because they don't like the food or they don't agree with what's going on or because they feel like they've got everything, you know, Pastor Mark, I just got everything out of that program I, I, I'm going to get, you know, I just got, you know, just, you know, some I just, you know, I think just, you know, a few weeks is enough for me. You know, so, so notice, notice again, there's, there's something pulling you away. Um, how do you regain possession where you're in control of your thoughts, emotions, and choices? Endure it, right? You hang in there. You push through it. You recognize what God is instructing you to do. And, and you recognize that there's a part of you that's wanting to do something else, go somewhere else, be a part of something else. But you say, no, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna push on through. I, I don't know. How many of you were here when, when the class won? Okay, yeah, see, again, most folks weren't even here for a lot of the earlier classes. Um, and so I'm not trying to leave y'all out, but that's one of the things that we talked about in the beginning that this class is about a lot of things. And one of the things that this class is about is it is stretching and expanding our uh, attention span, for one thing. You, I mean, do you realize that? I mean, I, I know that, that, that may sound like such a, a minimal thing compared to other stuff that we're learning and growing and developing in. But that, that's, that's huge because if we can't stay focused on anything for more than five minutes, you know, Father God's got a lot of things that he's wanting to teach us that's going to take longer than five minutes. If, if we can't open up a Bible and, and, and literally stay focused on what's in front of us to, to read and learn from it, um, more than a few minutes. You, 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 follow what I'm saying? And church services keep getting shorter and shorter and, and sermons keep getting lesser and lesser. And, and, you know, and hey man, maybe I should praise God. Somebody said, no, you preach long enough, Pastor Mark, but I'm just saying, I, but I'm, but I'm just saying, right. Um, and, and as, as a minister, there's other ministers in here, Donald ministers, Joel ministers. I mean, you, you just kind of know, man, all right, you've, you've, you've kind of reached this group's limit. You know, they, 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 done, they, they done figuring out what's on the buffet at Golden Corral, man. They, you know, they're, they're, um, they're already thinking about that roast beef or something. They're, you know, so th- these classes are about a lot of things, and one of them is building your endurance. You know, if, if, if we were to say, uh, all right, put your Bibles down, put your pens down, we're fixing to go run a mile. Well, I mean, there's some of you in here that could do it. I, I, I could do it. Um, amen. May not run as fast as some of you, but I, you know, I got, I've been on the treadmill and that sort of thing. Okay, um, but you know, it's like no way. But see, but you could build up your endurance to do it, right? In the same way that we could say, okay, now let's go pray an hour. Pray an hour? Are You kidding me? I pray about everything. Everybody I've ever known It takes me five minutes. So, Lord, so, so but see, it's endurance. See so what I'm saying? It's, it's. It's, 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 a, it's giving God that place in our lives. So when he says by your patience, by your endurance, you possess, first of all, some folks need to regain possession, but then once you have possession of it, you, you continue that by enduring. The Bible says in the, in the last days, people want to endure sound doctrine. If you're going to know the truth, it's going to require some endurance on our part. I mean, you, can, you know what I'm saying? We we just want to sit around and and, and eat cream filled donuts and expect it just to all kind of fall out of the sky and hit us, you know, and and it and it and it doesn't work that way, amen. amen. All right, one one last passage, and I really probably should just start here next week, but let me. This is we kind of we kind of it gets tough, 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 tough. Now we're gonna kind of go back, uh, and that's third John. Um, man, you talk about a verse now that comes alive, beloved. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. That's the King James Version. I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. See, when we think of prosperity, we think of financial prosperity or physical prosperity. We think of someone who's 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 succeeding in their career, they're succeeding in marriage, in their life and family, parenting, whatever you know, school. Some of your students, college students, things that, and listen, all that. I'm I'm not opposed to any of that. God's certainly for all of that happening in our lives, but rarely, if ever, do we understand that true prosperity begins in our spirit in these rivers of living water that are in us okay but do you notice now that if we're going to prosper outwardly and be in health outwardly it's going to be in direct relationship to how well our souls are prospering because as it goes with your soul so will it go with your life reality so god's desire is for you to prosper financially and physically and and to be in health and to be healed and to be strong and, and to be whole and to be restored and all these other things. But what we see, the brilliance in in this particular prayer and introduction to the book of Third John, is that all of all of that is is based upon someone being born again and then learning how to have a prosperous soul. A prosperous soul. All right. So we will um we'll jump back in on this one, uh to start next week but are you getting anything out of this tonight are, are you, you see how there's just so many things that are connected that once we understand spirit soul and body three dimensions now we start seeing the, the scriptures in a, in a more meaningful way in, in a deeper understanding which translates to stronger faith and just all the good things of God in our lives amen, amen. all right father we love you thank you for this time together uh thank you for the faithfulness, Lord, of, of, of these men and women, uh, Lord, that they are being equipped by you, uh, not just for their own benefit and blessing, Lord, but so that they can be more effective in being used by you, what you've called them to do, what you've put them on this earth, Father, and then uh, brought your holy, wonderful gift of salvation into their lives, Father, to, to position us now. Uh, to fulfill our our God-given and eternal purpose and destiny. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you, uh, Lord, for the seeds that have been planted and watered and for the fruit, Lord, that will come uh, in our lives and to glorify your name. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you again for being here uh, this evening. Good things coming. Good things coming.